Hello and welcome to a very special episode of a Right Royal podcast. Now I'm actually flying solo this time because as Hello's digital TV editor, I've been out chatting to the talent behind the final season of The Crown and I really wanted to share the discussions with you all. So join me for our The Crown special where I'll be speaking to the show's casting director, Robert Stern, hair and makeup experts Kate Hall and Emily Young and movement coach Polly Bennett on what goes on in recreating the royals for the TV show. But before we kick things off, I wanted to talk a little about our sponsor, Now, as you know, here at Hello, we love all things royal, and our sponsor today has as much love and dedication to the royals as we do, offering a wide variety of fascinating, high-quality documentaries and analysis. True Royalty TV is an on-demand service that allows you to watch hundreds of regally-themed titles about royalty through the ages and around the world. From the love story of King Charles and Queen Camilla to Prince William meeting Kate Middleton, The Crown has provided fans with a taste of what to expect from Season 6 Part 2 at the Netflix's smash hit historical drama. And if you're wanting to find out the facts behind the fiction, True Royalty TV has you covered. Discover the truth about King Charles and Queen Camilla's love story in Charles and Camilla, how Prince William and Kate's relationship blossomed at university in Becoming the Prince and Princess of Wales, and gain a clearer insight into Diana's thoughts and feelings in Diana, Her Last Summer. Luckily for our right royal listeners, True Royalty TV are offering a very special offer of a three-month subscription for only the price of one. To receive this amazing deal, all you need to do is visit trueroyalty.tv slash hello to sign up today. Now, back to the show. The boys need you now more than ever. I'm afraid we don't do fathers and sons very well in this family. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Great pleasure. Um, As casting director, can you tell me a little bit about what that entails? You find all the actors for for, for, for the thing that you're working on. So on something like The Crown, you start off with, you know, being sent a script and you go through and you work out how many people there are, what ages, you know, what what versions they are. And then you start thinking about who's going to be, you know, a good person for it. And you're you're working with the director and the writer Mm. to come up with some ideas. And then you're taking it all the way through the process of those initial ideas, auditioning people and doing that. Then you're doing their deals and their contracts. And then when they've delivered onto the set for the first day of filming, your job's over and off they go. So straight off the bat then, did you have people in mind to play the royals? Because obviously they're real life people. I mean, there must be someone straight away that you're like, OK, this person Well, will be I think because we, when we started the job, we always knew that they were going to change every two years. Right. That yes. was the unique thing about this job. Mm. So, yeah, we always thinking, well, who, who was it going to... I mean, we didn't know necessarily, but we kind of had... Well, I was always thinking, who is it going to be? Sure. Somebody's got to take over from so-and-so, and who is that going to be? And you've got to bear in mind what that actor was doing, who was doing it in the role previously, so that those kind of... And then you've got to work out what the character has to do in the scripts that you're doing further down the line at that point in their life yeah and I mean it was perfectly done like it's incredible I mean and now and now it's over I mean yeah. are you? I don't have to do another version I don't have to do another version I mean how are you feeling now are you I'm really pleased with it actually yeah I mean it was quite like to do it all three times was you know it was a big job but it was great with the people that we were doing it with and I think that actually having different actors playing at different versions of their lives adds to it. Yeah. Because I think if you think what Josh brought, O'Connor brought to it, combined with what Dominic West does it later on, you get a more interesting version of the character than you would if you just had one actor doing it in ever-increasing amounts of makeup. Of course, right, of course. But then the the people you found as well, Emma Corrin, um, Meg Bellamy, Ed, I mean, they're all 
amazing. I mean, how long did it take to find the young um, versions of these people? Ages, because we, so well? we, look, we look, you know, high and low. So yeah. six months we spent on um, looking for Kate and William. And probably about the same time. I mean, we started with those two and then did Harry afterwards. But, yeah, we do six months and... We're under no pressure to cast anybody particularly famous. We want to discover somebody. It's exciting yeah. to discover somebody and put some new faces out there. Absolutely. And you're under no pressure to get somebody who's not. And you're looking at teenagers. So if you're looking at teenagers, they're not going to have a load of acting experience. So you just go out there. And we did, we made sure we looked amongst schools and did it on social media and did all of that. We didn't, you know, it wasn't just the kind of drama school routes. Yeah. And that's how we found most of them, which was good. Watching the young relationship of Kate and William yes. um, in the second part of yes. um, the season, I'm sad that we're not seeing more of it play out. Are you sorry that it's over? Would you carry on making it, or do you? Yeah, think like a shot. I mean, it's great. No, it was great. I mean, it was just fun to do, and you're yeah. working with an amazing group of people. And t- to do it season after season was like it doesn't often happen. Like you normally do a couple of seasons and that's it. But yeah, and you do become invested in the characters and the actors and what they're doing, and you know. The actors love it as well. Absolutely. I mean, I know that um, Peter Morgan has the 20-year rule, but, I mean, come on, who, who are we getting in there for Harry and Meghan? We oh, so I don't have to think to about it anymore, which is great. Point. Well, yeah, maybe, but yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I don't have to think about it for a bit, which is quite good. Do you think he might roll around some point in the future? No idea. You'd have to ask him. But you'd be back. Yeah, like a shot. <laughs> it's been amazing. Was there anyone in history, you know, around this time that you were quite excited to cast, but then the script just didn't sort of need that person? Do you know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of politicians out there, you know, there's a well, lot of... Well, we did loads of the... But you'd do a politician, that you, but then you'd find they're in a tiny part, so it would be... For, it would yeah, be so a different it doesn't thing. Yeah. what you wanted to. No, I think there was such a wealth of people that we did have to cast that yeah. it was just like, that was enough. But no, I can't think of anybody that we wanted... I thought, God, there should have been more of... Uh, no, not really. You did miss that one Prime Minister, I think. Did we? Well, I went back the other day, I can't remember who it was, but there was definitely one. There was, was, there, was there one missing? I think there's nine Prime Ministers right. out of the ten right. that appear. Were there any roles that nearly went elsewhere? Like, was, there, was there any roles that were down to the wire? And do you think, in hindsight, that really would have changed the sort of essence of the show? Yeah, because I think when people, once people have taken it on and run with it, the actors come in and then they start doing the research and having all the kind of help with the voice and the makeup and the hair and the movement and the whole thing. And then they kind of build their... And they have two years. They really do own it in the course of the, the whole kind of process. I don't know, I'm very proud about the piece who's done it and who's run with it. Yeah. You should. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this is probably me just fangirling now as well, but the uh, the flashback episode, The Ritz... That's and great, isn't it? The young woman, I'm sorry, I don't know who name, her name who plays um, the young queen is... Violet Pretterjohn. She looks like Claire Foy. Well, there you go. It's just... You've Job done. Seen, you've never seen anything like it. She's brilliant, it? isn't she? Amazing. Yeah. So was that finding a, a new talent, do you think? Yeah, well, I kind of knew of her and I kind of thought, oh, well, yeah. But then she kind of came in and... Yes, I totally agree. Because like, she's totally... But it's amazing how... In the course of it, there have been some people who look absolutely nothing like the characters who've yet really embodied it and made it work. Like John Lithgow played Winston Churchill. Couldn't be, I mean, he's six foot two or something and couldn't be in America. I mean, couldn't be less, but then just understood it and ran with it and made it work. And when that happens, that's really exciting. That's when people, because you want that there's the pleasure in people looking like them. Yeah. But it can't just be a lookalike because no. if they're just a lookalike, but you don't want to hear what they're saying, you think, nah, we can't have X hours of this. 
And when you get an actor who just finds it and then runs with it, it's just, it is pretty exciting. So it can't just be a, a similarity there, it has to be... There's a pleasure in seeing the face and you want the audience, you don't want the audience to all go, who on earth's that? If right. But at the same time, it's got to be somebody who, you know, understands it and makes a connection with it and, you know, and brings it alive. Of course. So this has been your life for many years now. Well, for yeah, about eight, yeah, eight or nine years, but it happens in chunks. So I'll do a few months a year on it and then other stuff the rest of the time. And between every two seasons, there was a gap. But yes, it's been around for a while now and I miss it. And were you a royalist before and are you now? Totally fascinated by them now. Like, yeah. And also I, I'd, because I grew up in the 70s, so I was born in the 70s, so I kind of saw it from that period onwards when, you know, dying in the papers and all of that over those years. But to learn about the bits in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s before, I found really fascinating. And, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting treatment of the second half of the 20th century, isn't it? Like, to find out about how the family and then the politics intertwined in those 50s and 60s, like those early seasons, I found really interesting. Yeah, there's no time like it. You guys are the hair and makeup specialists on the show, so I'm going to have to ask you about that. I mean, just what goes into that from from start to finish? It's a big question, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it's a big question, but lots of people have no idea, actually, so it's interesting to answer it. So we start with a big research period, um, and we basically make huge chronological Bibles of images for all of the different characters and different episodes, and we make mood boards and kind of general hair and makeup instructions for different periods to identify how we're going to evolve the look over the series. Um, And then we start meeting the cast. They all have wig fittings, which is a very weird, archaic process where we wrap their head in cling film, cover it in sellotape, and then draw on with a Sharpie um, where where the hairline will be. Oh, wow. And the wig maker, Alex Rouse, is, is a sort of artisanal genius, and she has thousands of hair samples that you then look at different colours and once the wig is cut it might be dyed and restyled and you have different kind of yeah just experimenting then also there's all the makeup experimentation and fittings and you might have several of those and eventually you get to the point where you have a kind of cohesive plan Um, and you're ready to show other people and you have a very nerve-wracking camera camera test test day where you're like... We used to not like, but now we love. Now we love them because we're like, hey, we know what we're doing. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, Yeah. and then literally what happens is like Diana will step out and people will go... (gasps) And it feels a bit like stars in their eyes and we love that. I love that, yeah. When she goes into the car and she comes out. Exactly, and that's the first time that that really happens at the beginning of a series and you think, okay, we're not going to be sacked. That's good. Yeah. And you've got, you know, we hire, luckily, mostly all our friends, and we have this (laughs) wonderful group of sort of 20 of us. Yeah. um, And you're matching people's personalities. So you're thinking and skills. So like who best, who's going to make, you know... Um, get on best with Imelda and who's going to do the best wig for the Queen or who does the best man's wig and so you match everybody up so you spend so much time with them so that relationship is so important yeah it's a really important thing that kind of intuition as to who's going to get on with who and then there's the shoot so during the shoot actually we carry on fitting on the crown because we have 300 cast so Emily and I are prepping all the way through wow whilst also making sure we're present for all establishing cast to sign off with a director and establishing looks yeah and if they're changing and then we also have to schedule the department to make sure that everybody is 
working a five-day week and the wigs are in the right country and you know oh wow you know so it's this kind of jigsaw puzzle that we basically have evolved a system for over four years together so by last year it was joyful yeah it it was lovely well-oiled machine I think it's really interesting that you said that you teamed up your colleagues with the actors that you think Mm. they get on with really well because um I actually heard this that it's like this is where all the secrets are. This is where all the the tea is spilled. Is in the uh, yeah. is in the hair and makeup chair. Yeah, I mean, would you say that's fair enough? Absolutely. And the actors, I mean, they'll tell you themselves. I think they love it, and it's their sort of it's haven. Isn't it's it? a haven. Yeah. It's a safe space. It's a happy space. It's a very reliable. Um, I guess it's the last private part of their day before sure. they become very, very exposed. Yeah, of course. Um, and that is something that we treasure and they treasure. And, and, and we treasure the fact that we have this lovely intimate relationship yeah. with the cast. Yeah. Um, and, and and again, it's just, it's a bus, isn't it? So no one else is allowed in, no one can see in. And what happens in the makeup department stays in yeah. the makeup department. That's why the wig's hair is so big. It's full of secrets. <laughs> <Exactly. Yeah. laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you about the makeup as well. I mean, do you go for what you see on camera and making it as close to the real deal as possible? Um, or are you going for the products that they did use or a little bit of both? It's a bit of both. I mean, in terms of we don't normally go for specific products but that they used at that time. Mm. But we would go for things like texture and tone and things. Because obviously in the past, we didn't have such highly pigmented products. So we're quite similar in the sense that if we see something on camera and it's... And it looks, it's got a modern feel to it in terms of the foundations or the eyeshadows or the lipstick. Right. We find it quite jarring. So we always kind of look at um, texture and tones and things. That's so interesting. It's sort of such a simple thing to get you right out of believing it, doesn't it? You know, she's wearing Charlotte Tilbury. (laughs) Exactly. And And it's so, modern makeup is so sophisticated chemically compared to what was available in the 60s or 70s or 80s and as that those techniques were evolving you know so the look should evolve on camera and that's helped by lenses and lighting and costume but but that's our bit so we will go out and test you know everything on the market so it's not that we would say we're not going to use charlotte tilbury we've used a ton of charlotte tilbury you know but we just use very very specific products in very specific ways so that we're not using anything that's going to read as contemporary is there anything that's like this is the look of the 80s this this pigmentation it's got to be the blue the the really cheap blue we i found this liquid this tube of blue liquid eyeshadow in like a discount shop at euston station oh wow when i was like waiting for a train and just looking and it was a pound or something and i was like this is it we used it on thatcher and then we used it on princess margaret and we then basically used it across the board on loads of people for kind of dated because it's very yeah. washy, isn't it? It's yeah. but it's also the tone of the blue is so kind of antique. That's fantastic. Yeah, but of course it's we can't find it anywhere. No, it's, we've got our trust with Laura Mercier tubes as well. Oh, we're like and they just out the rim. Like, <laughs> you know, they discontinue yeah. everything you love gets discontinued, and then you're like, oh, it's so sad. I feel like if you're like we're using this on the crown. Yes. Let's, let's get some more well, in there. And and fortunately, because the '90s has come into fashion, well, we yeah. were able. We had a wonderful session with lovely Dominic at Mac, and we yeah. went. And there's so many old staples from Mac that are still around from then, but also their new range that reflects the tone 
tones and the colours yeah, from the nineties. Yeah, that's so that we were really lucky, and they were so generous. I mean, this has been a, a really fun series. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, like to to recreate, I should say, not in general. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I actually, actually, speaking about that, the final scenes with Elizabeth Debicki as Diana. I mean, what was the feeling like that on set when you were creating those looks because it must have been like borderline eerie it was incredibly powerful I think yeah I mean for me uh, that that the car chase the Paris sequence yeah those were moments where I would double take because she you know especially some of them when she had sunglasses on and the silhouette of the wig you know her profile really to me there were times when it just could have been Diana and I think filming it you really got a sense of how Diana must have felt because we were surrounded by noisy mopeds and beeping and the car and it was quite stressful and then we were in big cities and we were surrounded by people photographing us and um, you really get a sense of how much she must have felt like a sort of animal in headlights and trapped. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the the show really captured that as well, just how, you know, it is like she's just alone in yeah. it, basically. It's yeah. like incredibly claustrophobic. But yeah, how strange to be in charge mm. of, of remaking those looks. But um, I wanted to talk to you about recreating Kate's look as well, because obviously that's someone who is so present in our lives yeah. now, who we see on, on screen all the time. Yeah. I mean, what was that like? Because it's uncanny. It's fabulous. Oh, great. Yeah, especially you know the early yeah. days with her um, yeah. barber jackets and I such. It was because we were doing the early days. It was like yeah. a more, it was you know a more natural kind of outdoorsy. Yeah, it wasn't super manufactured. It wasn't super conscious. But equally, it was the period of time where we were. I was born in the same year as Kate Middleton. You know, yeah. it was it was our era yeah. when it was her era. You know, yeah. so we were able to draw on to on the kind of you know our what own we doing, yeah. experiences at university of sure. have you? And um, and it was lovely to go for that kind of natural. You know, we were. Um, diffusing her hair rather than doing the massive blow dry sure i mean her eye makeup for yeah so it's got very kind of feline shaped eyes so we would her eyeliners were all about making it rounder and more doe eyes and we would spray tan legs so she was more of a similar skin tone that kate was at the time and it was yeah yeah, so it was fun to kind of do that and all the looks that she goes through mm. in the series. Yeah. I love that, taking a step back to your uni days. Mine would have been like Barry M, candy pink lip, like yeah. ordering awful. <laughs> um, my last question then before we wrap up, was there anything that you noticed that all the royals do with their hair and makeup? Yeah, so my point with this is always consistency. Mm-hmm. So for those that came into the royal family, like Diana, she would change and evolve her look and she was quite playful with her look. But the royals are absolutely steadfast. Like when they hit on a look, they stick to it for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. So although it might kind of evolve subtly, the queen, you know, her hairstyle was slightly boofier in the 1970s. You know, her, her makeup was slightly shimmerier in the 1980s. But effectively, she has had the same roller set and dress out for her hair for 60 years. Mm. Um, and I think that consistency is something they really they really live and die by. Yeah. I'm surprised to kind of play with that with Prince William and Prince Harry, wasn't it? Because their hairstyles really did change. Well, thank you so much to both of you for your time. I feel like I could talk to you all day. But, um, yeah, it's <laughs> fascinating. Thank, oh, you. thank you so much. Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I would love to know a little bit more about what a movement coach does. Um, Yeah, so as a movement coach, I work with actors predominantly. Um, 
I also choreograph, but that's normally with dancers or, you know, that's that's five, six, seven, eights and counts and 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 sort of something that I can organize by myself. Whereas when I'm movement coaching, I'm working with actors to create the physical life, the physical world of their character. So for something like The Crown, it's about taking what we can see from all the physical evidence that we have of these people that already exist and turning it into practical thoughts for actors um, to use when they're on set, dealing with script changes and all that sort of stuff, last, last minutes to have a vocabulary so that they have a character that they're not necessarily, uh, so they're not doing an impression. They're doing a sort of authentic interpretation of somebody. So it's sort of about making it their own. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, if we there's lots of people that have done impressions of, of these characters and these people that we see in The Crown and... But this is about showing what we don't always see. So mm-hmm. it's about creating a full-rounded person. Absolutely. I mean, because you, you're so right. I think there are sort of ideas in my head for what certain royals do. What Because we've known these people for, um, you know, we think we know their every move. So, I mean, are there any misconceptions about the royals that, you know, maybe the actors thought they did something and you had to be like, that's, that's not it? You can say that about everything, yeah. You, you spend lots of time watching footage of the royal family and you can make lots of decisions uh, based on what the media tells us they are as well as what you see but my job or my inclination is to ask actors the question of what are they actually doing so it's to kind of rid the misconception of something that you've put on someone so if I was to say um oh, can you do an impression of Princess Diana? Mm. It's likely that you would right. tilt your head to one side, right, yeah. right or right, <laughs> and you turn your eyes upwards, like, you know, the sort of Bambi eyes. But my way in is to take that and go, what is that actually? When is that happening? Does it happen on certain words in her interviews? Does it happen when she's wearing a certain piece of clothing? Does it happen when her hair is in a certain style, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And then you're creating reasons why it happens. So what you don't get is an actor just going all right and tipping their head and, and throwing their eyes wide because that's something that they think that she does. It's to try and find a kind of um, restriction in a language that makes sense to the to the person. Right, absolutely. I mean, so I just watched episode seven, I think it was, of The Crown. So that's the introduction of the grown-up Will and Kate. And I, they absolutely shocked me how accurate... I mean, if you're not looking at the screen, they sound just like them. It's amazing. Um, how was it? getting to to that part and working with um, Ed and Meg. You know what, it was kind of like a personal thing for me where I was like, this is slightly slightly odd experience because I remember, you know, I'm not too dissimilar in age to them. So it's kind of weird looking at sort of my adolescence, I guess, as history. And whereas I've, you know, worked on the rest of The Crown and it's something in the distance for me. So it was a kind of personal thing that was quite strange. But um, also, I guess it's, a little bit more challenging because they their behavior isn't as indoctrinated it's not as scrutinized we don't have a lot of footage of Kate Middleton prior to her being course um you know married so it's there's a bit more of imaginative sort of work that has to be done to imagine why she moves the way she does Um, and we all move in different ways based on our experiences and how we've grown up and what sports we've done, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, she, the idea that she was a kind of sportswoman 
at university meant that she could ha- she has a bit of balance to her she has a bit of um she reaches people yeah and that's obviously where her popularity comes from now so it's interesting looking back at why that might be and sort of um do that sort of dissertation on somebody that's so interesting and i, I sort of noticed william as well like sort of walks with a bit of a stoop he's sort of hiding under his hair a bit i mean was that something that you put together as well and can you tell me a little bit about that yeah i mean i guess that behavior is in my view inherited from both of his parents Mm. and i think i've this is one of the gifts of working on the crown is i've got to work through the growth of this family and so when i'm watching people i'm going oh my god Prince William is doing this, this, and this, which is very similar to what Princess Diana does and what Prince Charles does. Right. And so it's a reminder that we are, whether we like it or not, the summation of our parents and how we grew up. And so the stoop that you say for us uh, became a kind of imagined sort of crown hanging over the top of Prince Charles's head. The idea that there's a crown hanging over like a Shakespearean emblem so that he's always slightly underneath it the idea that the crown is sort of always over him and this is me sort of doing my prince charles impression but i'm playing the idea that there's a weight hanging above my head which gives him that stoop and that pressure so william's got a bit of that he's equally got a bit of what princess diana does which is sort of laterally move and laterally take her face away from people as she's talking because she's um slightly less confident with one-on-one face discussions so she takes herself away she's also got a fringe like you're mentioning William so we play the certainly Emma Corrin and I and Elizabeth Becky and I work with the idea of her looking under her fringe Mm. um so uh Ed who's playing Prince William was doing a sort of summation of those two things that's amazing. That is so fascinating to get. Now I'm going to watch my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I know it will freak you out though, because we we you know we are, we have all of these things, and you know that you know that old adage of like, oh, I've just turned into my mother. It's like you 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 will because you've been gro- you've grown up around that rhythm, yeah, and you will do things as I say, whether you like it or not. But there's an authenticity of that and we should be really relishing of the things that we've grown up because it makes us who we are. Oh God, this is like turning into your mother. This is just explaining the psychology. I know, but we have to we have to let it in, I think. Absolutely. I mean, what was your favourite character to look into? Oh, it's like picking your favourite child back. <laughs> Do, um, it. Um, Do it. I, I find them all really interesting. I find the politicians really, really interesting in the crowd. Right. And all the prime ministers that you get to see. And I guess, you know, when you're learning about that history, about all the prime ministers that the, the Queen has met and um, encountered and had conversations with, I find that very interesting. I, I, I loved working with Johnny Lee Miller as John Major um, because of how knew that was yeah um, as a language um and and tony blair of course with bertie carvel um sort of work working on what the difference between him as politician and him as person um and where that mixes and and gillian anderson as margaret thatcher is very interesting because she's such an iconic character again trying to take that away from impression and giving her things like the idea of her brain being very heavy because she's so intelligent. Mm-hmm. And that's why she tips her head as she talks because she's so, you know, intelligent or she's got quite a big brain here. Um, working out those things is really 
fun. I love that. And I, what you were saying before about finding sort of, you know, sometimes you'll choreograph it, sometimes you'll find the root of it. I mean, was there anything during the show that you put together like, okay, in this bit, we're going to move like this? Or was it kind of helping the actor from the root of it and then they would go and... Yeah, it's not, it, I, I think... The, the success of the work comes from creating a sort of smorgasbord of, of behaviour. Mm. So it means that the actor is is aided and not restricted. It's giving them, you know, shape and giving them um, tactics, but never prescribing what they should do. Because also each actor's body is different. Their way of learning is different. So what Amelda needed was different than what Olivia needed. Um, in the same way, Elizabeth Debicki is much taller and more experienced than Emma Corrin was. Um, and so their bodies need different things. Interesting. Yeah. Who would you most want to play? <laughs> you know, oh my God. You, I, mean, I feel like you know them better than most because you can sort of, you, you give it so much thought and you, you really see it into who they are and how they present themselves. Do you know what? It's it's funny because I just the idea of being an actor absolutely terrifies me, and it's how I start. You know, I was a dancer and I was an actor. I, I love looking at the work that the actors do and how you know, and especially this cast that are so amazing at animating these people and 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 that in a life. So I would I'd never be saying I would want to play someone because. Um, I could do it like them because sure. I absolutely, <laughs> I, I absolutely understand that I am not that person. I have a real empathy for Prince Charles, mm. and I am very. I've always enjoyed working with the actors, particularly for Josh and for Dominic, because there's just so much to work through, and I really feel like I know him and would like to spend some time with him and ask him how he. Therapist. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to that. be his therapist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's everything from me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the chats as much as I did. And I'll be back very soon, reunited with my co-host Andrea and our royal editor Emily Nash to chat more about the royal family. In the meantime, catch more from Hello with our news and entertainment show, The Daily Lowdown, available on Spotify, Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye.